For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Caro, and we are keeping score inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports with television bonanza carrying the day. Basically every sport that could be televised is being televised and an exciting fall with scheduling variations you've never seen before. Therefore, the deals are very important. So let's get to deal-making three to one. Three. Organizers of the Tokyo 2020 Olympics expect to cut the number of non-athlete participants at next year's rescheduled game and event by 10 to 15% as part of more than 50 cost-cutting measures for the Games. The IOC and local organizers announced on September 25 they reached an agreement on measures designed to maximize cost savings and increase efficiencies in the delivery of Tokyo 2020, due to get underway next July 23. The list of measures, according to Sports Pro, have been split into four main categories, stakeholders, infrastructure, promotion, and other areas of interest. In adding to reducing the number of officials attending the Games, Initial measures include streamlining transport services, adjusting spectator activities at competition venues, and hosting more pre-event meetings online. The IOC and local organizers formed a joint steering committee shortly after the pandemic that led to the postponement of the Games back in March. The group would later announce they were planning to stage a streamlined and simplified event in the wake of the postponement, which the IOC expects to cost the organization a mere $800 million. That's number three. Two. For the first time, TikTok sponsoring a race car driver. Ryan Vargas, who belongs to the number six Johnny Davis Motorsports Chevrolet team in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, drove the TikTok branded car in six races beginning October 3 at Talladega, according to a TikTok announcement. The sponsorship part of TikTok's promotional efforts during Latin Heritage Month observed September 15 to October 15. Vargas, a 20-year-old Hispanic alumnus of NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program, has more than 41,000 followers on TikTok, while NASCAR's official account has 735,000. TikTok and NASCAR will work together on several co-marketing efforts to highlight the sponsorship and Vargas' personal story. TikTok's branding also will appear on the racing suit worn by Vargas, who will wear a helmet to Dia de los Muertos, as a tribute to his Hispanic heritage. By sponsoring the 20-year-old Vargas, TikTok aims to connect with young NASCAR fans who are most likely to use the app. The average age of the NASCAR television viewer, 58, its digital fan base tends to be younger. And that's number two. One. Deal-making issue number one, tremendously significant. The Ladies' European Tour announced two new events to be held in Saudi Arabia later this year, 
for a total of $1.5 million in prize funds, marking the first pro-female golf tournaments ever staged in Saudi Arabia. Golf Week noted the million-dollar Aramco Saudi Ladies International will take place November 12th through 15, and the $500,000 Saudi Ladies Team International held November 17th through 19. Both events take place at the Royal Greens Golf Club on the Red Sea Coast near Jeddah. In the team competition, professional players will partner with amateurs. The Aramco Saudi Ladies International will be the third highest-paying event on the LET schedule behind the Scottish Open and the AIG Women's British Open. The Ladies European Tour staged two events in February and March before the season was halted due to the pandemic. The tour resumed in August with back-to-back events in Scotland, followed by tournaments in the Czech Republic and Switzerland. Five events remain on the schedule for 2020, including Lacoste in France, Dubai, uh, Andalusia, and the two events in Saudi Arabia. A major issue indeed, and that's deal-making issue number one. And now another issue in golf, uh, uh, an amazing international talent who, uh, through the pandemic, celebrates his traits of consistency uh, as well as being a world-class athlete. Bernard Longer, born in 1957, for great kids, and in 2008. He was the Rookie of the Year, if possible, on the Champions Tour. He's amassed 117 wins, two Masters, a senior majors where he still chases Hale Irwin. He's also, in 1986, became the first number one ranked player in the world when such an award was created. Interested as an international spokesman, the NFL in Germany, and on and on. Lives near me in the neck neck of the woods in South Florida. But more important, preparing for his consistency and continued winning during the pandemic, getting his thoughts, I give you Bernard Longer. Many, many professional athletes who came back in different ways after the pandemic shut them down met with varying degrees of success. You know, you... Uh, of course, no issue. You pick up where you left off because that's the way you lived your career and your life. What's the secret? Well, I, I knew I wanted to do something every day in terms of fitness. So I, you know, first I started uh, walking, riding my bike, which was uh, allowed. And uh, we, I'm, I'm blessed to have a small gym or small stuff uh, in my house where I can use bands and weights and a treadmill and a bike, uh, stationary stuff. Uh, and so I became creative there. And then I uh, went out in the pool and did some workouts in the pool where it's actually even better for your joints, you know, where you start running in the pool. You put some floaters on and you start kicking and running or uh, against the, the, uh, the weight of the water. And so... I, you just had to be creative. I, I knew I wanted to do something because I'm, I'm used to doing something every day. And uh, at first, again, it was fun. But then uh, I, I really missed the gym and, and uh, you know, being out on tour where we have uh, some trailers, uh, actually big trucks with some physios in it that help us stretch and help us work out. And uh, I didn't, didn't have that for about five months. Um, so you just got to try and be creative and, and overcome the obstacles that there are and, and make the best of the situation. Well, and Bernard, you're, you're known as not just a, a world-class athlete, but, but, a, but an international businessman as well. So you're sitting at home and it's, it's August 
and you've seen every rerun of every golf tournament, and I know you're a football fan, every football game ever existing, and you're trying to figure out whether the business is going to get back to where it was. It's not there, but people are excited about the business. Give me your assessment as a businessman of of where you think the, the business of golf generally is. The Champions Tour is a subset of that, but but the overall business. Well, my personal view is that we've had the strongest economy we've ever had. Uh, and I think uh, we're going to get back to that <clears throat> as soon as we open up. Uh, it's going to take a little while to get to where we were in, in February or early March uh, because the damage was substantial, I think. But, uh, you know, many of the lay, layoffs, uh, the people will find a job again, I think. And... Uh, uh, but I, I think uh, I don't see any reason why we uh, shouldn't be on, on a good road to recovery really soon as the country opens up and uh, the companies, uh, the businesses should do fairly well uh, in a few months. And as a golfer, um, the tour, uh, the majors, uh, getting ready for the masters, uh, obviously you miss the crowds, but you don't miss the competition because it's back. Um, what, what's it like competing now kind of uh, in the middle of the pandemic? Uh, what, what, what's changed as you go from tournament to tournament? Well, it's very, very different now uh, while we're still in, in it. Um, first of all, the atmosphere is totally different at, at the golf course. You know, I've seen two hole-in-ones the last few weeks and literally there were no cheers except the caddies and players who, who watched it <laughs> from the tee box. Uh, but so all, all of that is, is really strange. But even to build up, like I have to test, when I have a week off, I have to test. I just did it yesterday uh, for COVID and wait two or three days to hopefully get a negative. Then when we arrive at the tournament, we're not even allowed to set foot on the golf course or the clubhouse or anywhere near it. We have to go to the test center first, wait anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours. Uh, so you got to kill that, that time. You can't do anything. Wait for, again, a negative test. Once you have a negative test, then you can drive to the golf course and register, check in and, you know, start a practice round or whatever you want to do. Uh, eating the food, all of that, you know, we used to have buffets or, elaborate stuff now it's all packed up and uh packaging you can't help yourself somebody will have to give it to you uh so the protocol is uh, extremely different and the pga tour has done a tremendous job of keeping us safe keeping us in the bubble as they say um, so even when we go from tournament to tournament uh the the tour now has chartered planes uh, we pay for our seat but they're trying to keep us uh, together in that bubble. Uh, so only people who've been tested negative uh, two or three days prior to the flight will go on the flight and we're not exposing ourselves to others. Uh, and they've been very successful. There have been very, very few cases of uh, positive tests, which can still happen, but uh, they've done extremely well and we feel pretty safe and secure in, in the environment we're in. Obviously, we hope that 
things will will change. We had one tournament in South Dakota, the Sanford International, which was wide open. We had over 50,000 spectators. I believe it's the only tournament we've had worldwide uh, on any golf tour that had spectators. And they, they've done very well. But South Dakota has had very few cases. And they also did a lot of precautions. They took the temperature of everybody that came in, spectators and, and everybody that set foot on the golf course. And I haven't heard anything, anything negative about it. So it was fun playing in front of people, that's for sure. The Masters, listen, Augusta National is your home. I mean, you win your two majors there. It's exciting. Uh, it's November this year, however. You know, the, uh, the National Weather Service says that uh, uh, Augusta gets a point for snow days a year and that's less than an inch but it is it is possible i don't know how you're going to read the greens with a couple inches of snow in the ground but it'll be really kind of interesting to see are people in your world looking forward to the masters oh absolutely we always look forward to the masters but this masters will be different uh, and i'm not sure how different uh we all we know is there won't be any spectators so the atmosphere is going to be different for sure but i think the golf course may be different we uh we may see a, a totally different uh, grass out there than we're used to. And, uh, hey, I hope it doesn't snow. I've once played uh, a tournament in March in London in Sunningdale. I, I teed off and the snow flurry started to come down. And when I hit my second shot, uh, the ball became a snowball. It accumulated and looked twice the size by the time it stopped. Uh, so that, that was not much fun besides being very cold. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping for good weather. It's early November, uh, but I really have no idea what to expect. And uh, it's going to be a surprise to all of us. Hey, you guys are pro athletes. Suck it up. I got, I got one, more, one more question for you from an athlete perspective. I know you're a big NFL fan. We had talked a, a while ago about, you know, the NFL in Germany and what they're doing and their progress. You know, you sit home a little bit during the pandemic and, all of the sports come back on TV with great ratings, but no crowds. As a, as, a, as a pro athlete sensitive to what it's like to participate in the arena, give me your perspective of, of televised crowdless events. Well, I, I enjoy the, uh, the events no matter what, whether there's uh, you know, the crowds there or not. I enjoy watching the NFL or the hockey or the soccer or basketball, uh, or, or even starting to like baseball a little bit better too. Um, so, anyways, I I love watching sports, even you know tennis uh, lately with the U.S. Open and now the the French Open. But uh, it's it's not quite the same without spectators, and it's for you know you lose the home advantage, I think, uh, which is such a big part of uh, team sport. Not so much in golf, but uh, certainly some of the sports we just talked about for some of the teams because they, they don't have that right now. But, you know, I, I believe we're going to make it through this and uh, come out even stronger at the other end. Bernard Longer with yet more interesting perspective. We'll see a lot more of him on the course in coming years. Welcome into the Esports Minute of Keeping Score with Rick Horo. I'm Mitch Reams from the Esports Network. League of Legends Worlds has just kicked off, and here's why it's the most important competition in esports. League is the biggest esport in the world, and Worlds is its biggest event. 
At one point, Worlds was claimed to have more viewers than the Super Bowl, but that was an apples-to-oranges comparison due to the ways that online and traditional TV viewership is tracked. Recently, Nielsen has gotten involved, and now we have accurate data. Last year, Worlds brought in an average minute audience, or AMA, of 21.8 million. That's comparable to the numbers drawn by the Warriors and Cavaliers NBA Finals a few years ago. That was the most watched NBA Finals since the Jordan Bulls. Worlds is the core of many brands' esports strategy, including MasterCard, State Farm, Louis Vuitton, Oppo, and more. Nike has placed a focus on League of Legends in China, the region that drives the majority of Worlds' viewership. But Worlds is a bit of an anomaly in esports. The only other esports league to bring in Nielsen for accurate data is the Overwatch League. Activision Blizzard, the developer of Overwatch, reported an AMA of just over 1 million for the 2019 OWL Finals. Right now, Worlds is being played in a bubble situation in Shanghai. The format is similar to the World Cup, with a group stage being filled with teams from around the world, leading to a bracket format. And the best teams in League of Legends don't come from North America, they come from Korea and China, although Europe has closed that gap in recent years. So far, the three North American teams that qualified for Worlds have not won a single match against a team from Korea, China, or Europe. League is still very popular in North America. Riot has reported that the North American region is the third most popular sports league among 18 to 34 year olds, but North America's League of Legends teams are closer to the MLS than they are to the NBA on the world stage. That's it for the Esports Minute of Keeping Score. Now back to record. How about the Sports Tech Minute? In NFL stadiums, killer robots now force for good. The Atlanta Falcons are going high-tech with their efforts to sanitize Mercedes-Benz Stadium after big events, and the Carolina Panthers are following suit. The Falcons have a new deal with Charlotte-based Lucid Drone Technologies to disinfect the seating bowl, handrails, and glass partitions. The time spent on disinfecting the seating bowl alone could be reduced by 95%, allowing venue cleaning employees to be redeployed to other areas of the stadium. This technology will be implemented as the stadium team welcomes fans back for the Falcons' home game against the Panthers on October 11. Likewise, the Panthers will use robotic technology to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus as the club prepares to allow fans back in its stadium in the form of germ-killing robot made by healthcare services company Zenex Ultraviolet Zenex Lightstroke Robots purchased by the Panthers be used in locker rooms, showers, and other areas throughout Bank of America Stadium in downtown Charlotte. Each of the three coronavirus-killing robots the Panthers use cost $125,000, money well spent. How about good sports? We always cover the top issues, summarize them during the pandemic, as they all are very important. The NBA Finals, ESPN, ABC, NBA, and the Undefeated, unveil the hashtag champion black business initiative, as part of ESPN's Rise Together campaign unveiled earlier in the NBA season. The 2020 champion will unlock the opportunity to run their city's respective feature across ESPN's linear networks. The Lakers lead the heat, obviously, as the series continued through the week. CBS Sports Network celebrated Armed Services Saturday over the weekend, Air Force, Army, Navy all playing on the network. The salute the best substitute in this COVID-impacted college football season. Shots of military personnel watching the games from various military bases throughout the world. And finally, Dix says no to plastic bags. The sporting good company says that they will not carry the bags and use the bags in their promotions and home workout equipment and apparel 
remains a popular purchase category during the online coronavirus pandemic. They are continuing to take a stand to avoid pollution in all contexts. And that's your good sports. Finally, Enid Viana in the Lifestyle Minute. She's a lifestyle expert and wellness writer and the editor of two websites, the evsocial.com, which covers entertainment, wellness, fashion, and travel, and hamptonsmoms.com, which addresses all things family on Long Island's Magical East End. She also contributes content to various magazines and websites, such as Hamptons Magazine and ArtSugar.com. And follow her on Instagram at the EV Social Hamptons Moms. She's talking about the U.S. soccer legend and current USL manager Landon Donovan, who took his team name to heart on Wednesday when he stood firm to back one of his players after an alleged anti-gay remark was made during the match. The San Diego Loyal coach ultimately pulled his team from the pitch mid-match while leading 3-1 against the Phoenix Rising and forfeited after one of Rick Sanchez's players allegedly used a homophobic slur directed at openly gay midfielder Colin Martin. Near the end of the first half stoppage time, referee Joseph Salinas whistled the play dead and mistakenly gave the Loyal midfielder a red card and ejected him from the match. His teammates swarmed the ref and insisted that the wrong player was being penalized, followed by Donovan, who approached the ref on the pitch to get an answer. Donovan then came face-to-face with Sanch over the incident, and in their exchange called the comment out and saying it was homophobia. The Loyals decided that if that player was not going to be removed from the game, either through a red card or by the referee or from the other team subbing him off the field, that the time to act was then. So I think many would give that team a ton of credit for taking that stance. She genuinely admires Donovan for doing the right thing, backing up his player and forfeiting a game they were clearly going to win to prove a point. Soccer's long been a very macho sport, and players across all sports get heated exchanging foul words to one another from time to time in the heat of the moment, and that the one thing yet homophobia has no place for in a soccer pitch or anywhere else for that matter. We currently live in a world where gender neutrality and non-binary sexual orientation is commonplace and widely accepted. Therefore, homophobic slurs have absolutely no place in a sporting event or anywhere. Personally, uh, we think a player should be kicked off the team to show the USL that the behavior is simply unacceptable. It's sad that in 2020, yet this country has so far to go with practicing inclusivity and kindness. Be better, and it starts with you. And I'm the sports professor, Rick Haro. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Bernard Langer for helping us put together a great show. And join us next week when we continue to keep score. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.